We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Twenty minutes a day. 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. What's going on, Packers fans? Welcome into another Pack-A-Day podcast, an NFL draft edition presented by Pack-A-Day Podcast. I am your host, Matt Fralick. Alongside me, the witty, the insightful, and always traveling for something athletic for his daughters and kids. It's just like super impressive that he's able to do this on the fly. Uh, Rob Rieger joins us once again on Pack-A-Day Podcast. Rob, you were in Florida this time. Normally, the last time we recorded, you've been in... Atlanta, I've been in Atlanta for a volleyball tournament, I remember, but now you're down in Florida for gymnastics. So it's like you got some athletes in the family, but I appreciate you connecting with all of us. And I know you're going to drop some great nuggets when it comes to the linebackers for the 2023 draft. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of funny, man. And and, and hey, how, how's everyone doing out there? Um, you know, from from this standpoint, you know, when I first got this assignment, I'm thinking, OK, so I, I'm not really sure that this is a need of the Packers. But as I actually dove into a lot of the players um, there can definitely be, and, and one of the nice things about linebackers specifically is that they can be core special teamers. So if, if anything, this off season has said about the Packers, it's that they're trying to load up that special teams. A lot of their signings have been 
definitely along those lines, core special team guys that they want to bring back. So as far as maybe adding to that room, I can definitely see that maybe not as a starter because it seems to be set in that capacity, but there's, there's a couple intriguing prospects I'd like to talk about today. hundred percent. I mean, it's definitely not a need for the Packers and you look back to last year and they finally, finally selected a dynamic linebacker, right? A middle linebacker from Quay Walker. Like, I had been beating my fist, I feel like, for 10 years. Like, just like, give us an inside backer. And now it's like to the point where it's like, well, it's great you have that position, but it's really not like a necessity anymore. Like, sure, it's like great to have a guy, but it's like, it's not your stereotypical inside backer where Quay Walker's going to be able to line up multiple positions. He played outside backer last year a couple times. And it's it's important to note, because I know Eli's not joining us today, but we're, we're going to put some rules in place here, Rob. It's not outside linebackers. We're talking about interior linebackers. And I know the game of football is you know, gone and gone from the 4-3 to the 3-4 to nickel to hybrid guys playing down the box. We are strictly talking about interior backers. Do some of them have the capabilities of playing outside and potentially project to that? Absolutely. But we are sticking with the interior guys. So no Nolan Smith talk for Eli. We'll save that for a different rant for his or maybe a YouTube video on his end. So like you mentioned, Packers more than likely not going to target I would say a linebacker in the top 100 picks, I think, is safe based off of where Quay Walker, you know, was selected. I do think the need is probably for a special teamer. You think, you know, they did lose Chris Barnes. You know, you think of a guy like a Ty Summers who's filled in back in the day for a special team group. Um, You know, they've drafted other guys, kind of missed on back. I think of Kamal Martin where they missed, you know, signing Devondre Campbell has been nice. I'm sure there's a couple I'm omitting there, but let's get into this. Um, Pretty free-flowing. We don't have like three guys like we had last week going through the defensive back. So um, first and foremost, I want to get your thoughts, Rob. Is there a consensus number one linebacker in this draft class for 2023? You know, that that's a great question. And and I just think, you know, but I'll preface this before um, you know, I talk about the different candidates. Is I feel, and this is just my personal opinion, that this is one of the weaker classes that I've ever evaluated. You typically have several guys that will be the kind of the alphas of the group that that stand out that are first round picks um you can go back last year uh there's uh, devin lloyd went in the first round quay walker went in the first round there's always those couple guys that really stand out um a couple years ago patrick queen uh was there and um i forgot the name off uh kenneth uh, murray was it was there yep. uh, went to the went to the chargers so um this year I don't see that. Um, in my opinion, I feel like there's only one true standout linebacker, and he's probably not the consensus, believe it or not. <laughs> so, um, you know, I don't know if you want to talk about the consensus or you want to talk about the guy that I like. So it's it's up to you, Matt. I mean, I've seen Trenton Simpson, like, mostly be at the top. I think some of that has to do with just, you know, playing for Clemson. I think that helps quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I think he probably is the consensus, but like I could see an argument for, I'm probably going to name yours. I could see an argument for Jack Campbell. Um, I think, you know, his 40 time, I want to say like a ran like a four, six of the combine definitely dropped him down, but I believe his three cone was like the best out of all the backers and like was even up there. Um, I think what it was, it was like a six, seven, nine. And I don't even think another backer ran below a seven. So it was like quick feet. You don't need a guy to run, you know, 40 yards as an inside backer. I think Drew Sanders is one to consider, you know, the transfer from Bama to Arkansas. He's a little bit one of those guys, like I mentioned, like he's six, five, he could probably play on the edge. 
yeah. uh, or six four six five. You could probably put on the edge. Where do you put them? So it's between those three for me. Definitely, I just don't really have like a horse in the race when it comes to them because I just don't see that one that stands out. So I, I'm assuming you do. Yeah, I do. You know, just what, watching the film and game in and game out, um, I feel that Campbell is definitely the top dog in this in this draft class. I mean, you can start with athleticism. I mean, nine point nine eight was his RAS score. Uh, you can say you ran a two a four point six five forty, which I mean, it's still above average, but it's not spectacular. But he ran a one point five ten yard split. He ran a six, like you said, six point seven four three cone, which is fantastic. It's one of the Pretty best good. you'll see. It, I mean, it's literally like cornerback wide receiver speed right there. But then when you turn on the tape, what you see is a guy that has great instincts. He attacks the ball. He doesn't back off. He's uh, a big playmaker. He, you know, is always, it just seems like he's always around when you're watching games. Uh, a lot of times when you're watching tape, you, you know, they, they spot shadow like the specific player. You don't even need a spot shadow with him because you just have to look where the ball is and he seems to always be around it. And he's one of those guys that I feel is probably going to get taken in the second round but he's going to end up being like a 12 year starter for somebody and, you know, rack up tackles, you know, hundred, hundred tackles a season. Um, he's that guy that for me is that I don't want to ever say can't miss, but if he stays healthy, I feel like he's kind of that guy that, that people are going to be like, how did he even last to the second round? And it's simply uh, the, the reality of the situation is that inside linebacker isn't really viewed the same way that some other positions are. It's kind of the same as running back has gotten. They've kind of been devalued quite a bit. But at the end of the day, you're looking for quality, solid players that you can plug into your lineup that are smart. I think it was an academic All-American, too, on top of the athletic traits. So he's obviously a student of the game. He's a a smart kid. Uh, So I feel that he stands out. But I can see where the Trenton system, uh, Simpson love comes. Uh, I, I really can. I can see it. However, my issues with him is it feels like to me that he's more he's more highlight play than like bread and butter type of guy. He's not a meat and potatoes guy, I guess, to use it, you know, to um, kind of go old school with that. He's more of a, a flash player. He makes a lot of great plays. He has he has excellent range. He has excellent speed. Um, but I see him a lot of times, man bad angles on tackles where he overruns plays. He bites on a lot of fakes and just, he uses his athleticism. So he does make his fair share of big plays, but I don't see that consistently playing and play out, of, um, out, out of him. So, I mean, I mean, I, I wouldn't turn him down if, you know, he falls somehow to the third round, but I, I'm not pounding the table for this guy at all. No, I think it, you know, just a couple of things. One, I think 10 years ago, if we're talking about Jack Campbell, I think he's a unanimous first round pick. He might be a top 15, top 20 selection, right? It's just where the, tra- you know, it's the transition of where inside backer has gone. It's just a completely different position. It's not, you're not looking for, you know, the Luke Keekleys of the world or Brian Erlackers are great, yeah. but like they just don't have a home as much anymore in these hybrid defenses. I think you, you nailed it though, Rob. It's like, Someone's going to get a great value on Campbell and then have him for a decade in the middle of their defense, no matter where defenses transition into the you know 2030s. Like it's going to be a consistent piece for Campbell to be dynamic there. He did it across the board, you know, Butkus Award winner, unanimous All-American. Just 
accolades on accolades and like lived up to the height I, hype. I think you're not going to get, you know, I don't think there's a huge ceiling on what he can do athletically. I think he's a really, really good guy, like a really good player. Um, he's going to be very, very solid. So I'm thinking like some of these other players just have like that athletic nature where it's like, okay, we could select him maybe a couple round, a couple picks after Campbell and maybe his upside goes to the roof. Maybe he can, you know, Simpson can tighten up his, um, his tackling, or, you know, maybe he gets, you know, just a little bit firmer with his instincts. You know, maybe you can move Sanders and find a spot for him, even though it kind of seems in between. Maybe there's a couple other guys in this list that you might get a little bit more value for that have a little bit higher upside. But yeah. if we're talking stereotypical, prototypical, like you said, meat and potatoes inside linebacker, Jack Campbell has to be it. It's just a matter of him finding a spot where a team's like, yep, that's the type of linebacker we want to play in the interior for us to stop the run. He could be maybe a two down, you know, linebacker maybe a three down depending on what his um coverage skills end up being but i'm not i'm not upset that you have campbell there i actually kind of figured you'd pick jack campbell but um super solid selection like he's he's an absolute animal and i'm excited to see where he ends up because he's going to bring he's going to bring a little tenacity to a defense that may may or may not need it one one thing that you know just want to add into that is i don't i understand that the inside linebacker position has been devalued i just don't understand it necessarily because I feel that if a team gets a stud in the middle, it makes their job so much easier as a defense. It brings so much more flexibility to that defense when you have a guy that can roam sideline to sideline with those great instincts that could potentially cover a tight end out of the backfield. I'm not a PFF guy like Eli is, uh, unfortunately, but he had four, he had five interceptions uh, in college. Mm-hmm. And one of his highlight reel plays was against Ohio State, where he was in coverage and made a diving catch on a ball a foreign interception. So I don't think that was necessarily a strength, but I mean, just, just looking at the position, look at how much better San Francisco's defense was last year when Fred Warner was in the middle. I mean, he's a game wrecker. He's these are players that make big impacts on the game. They're involved in almost every play. They're right in the middle of the field. So I don't necessarily get it. Why teams are devaluing that position, but in this specific year, if I can get Campbell, I'm getting them and I'm, I'm not even thinking twice about it. I'm going to be like, okay, you're going to be our guy. Um, whether it's in a three, four, whether it's in a four, three, he can play either and put him right in the middle and have him make plays. So um, as far as like Sanders goes, you mentioned him a couple times. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm out on Sanders and I know that I'm probably going to take some heat on this. And I know that some other places that I've looked have him ranked as the number one player. But to me, I feel like he misses too many tackles. It's just something that is a, big deal for me when you're a guy who has that type of athleticism but I don't I know you can obviously learn in the NFL but actually one of the things that that stand out is now that they don't hit as much in practice and they don't hit as much in the offseason it's a lot more difficult for you to learn to become a sure tackler once you get to the NFL and I just feel like Sanders just you know, it's just, I saw it so many times on tape. He'd, he'd be right there to make a play and to miss it. And the other thing about him is I feel like he has difficulty getting off blockers. So if he's coming up and you say, pull a guard, he's getting locked in in that guard and he's not able to get off of it. Um, one specific game that stands out, if you guys had a chance to watch it, uh, I believe it's a, available on YouTube, the full game is the Texas A&M game. And it just seemed like he would be sucked up and and he gave up a ton of big runs to Texas A&M in that game. And it just felt like he just 
isn't it for me. And, you know, you can look at the athletics ability. You can say that, oh, well, he, he played at Alabama and all this other stuff. But I'm I'm out on him. I, I'm sorry. Like, like you have to be able to be a better tackler. I need a, I need a guy in the middle that's going to make the tackle if he gets to the ball. No, that's totally fair. I think the thing with Sanders to me is like, yes, I saw on the tape, like it just looked like when I got into the tape a little bit more and like watched the highlights, I'm like, it just seems strange that this guy, like, yes, I understand the six, five frame, but it's like, he just looks too lanky on the edge to be able to go up against pulling guards. Like you mentioned, or tackles or tight ends on the outside. And like in the interior, maybe, I don't know. It just, he just seems kind of like a, you know, a place without a home type of a guy. Like maybe he'll transition somewhere. I could see him being a special teamer right away. Um, yeah. Kind of seems crazy since he's projected probably top five across everything that I've seen at the position. But yeah. he just seems like, again, if you want to take a flyer on a guy and, you know, have a project, go for it. But it just seems weird to me that it's like, I just don't, I don't necessarily see a guy that moved from, you know, the inside of the outside off ball. And like, he just doesn't have that frame that I'm super comfortable with. So like we've talked about Simpson. We talked about Sanders. We obviously talked about Jack Campbell because why would we not? Um, <laughs> after that, it's really a crapshoot to me. Like there's guys on these these lists that I'm just like I've seen like Noah Sowell be the ninth overall on a top ten list. On this one, he's number four. I've seen Dorian Williams number ten. He's yeah. number five out of Tulane. Um, you know Henry Tuoto from Alabama. I think is a solid dude, but like I'm not so sure on just his size if he can play backer he's more probably like a weak side backer I mean I've, I've listed off a couple I'm sure there yeah. you have opinions on any of them or guys I haven't mentioned so this is kind of your opportunity Rob to nerd sure. out on everyone listening because I know you can do that very very well <laughs> well thanks well I mean I mean honestly like I do like Toho Toho out, out of Alabama I mean he's a super productive player he, he's actually four-year starter two at Tennessee and two at Alabama um you know, a lot of tackles for loss. He had 31 career tackles for loss. He had eight sacks. He had a bunch of tackles, 354 tackles. So he's a super productive player. Unfortunately, he's not necessarily a great athlete. He's not necessarily that physical. He doesn't have that great size. He kind of, and, and I know you love it when I do this, but I'm going old school with this. He kind of reminds me of Dat Win out of oh, Texas A&M, who is a tackling machine and actually had a great NFL career. But he never stood out physically in any area. He basically lived off of his instincts and being able to read a play properly and being in the right place at the right time. Um, he's not a thumper, and, and Toho Toho is the same way. But I feel like he will have a productive career, but I'm not touching him before. Probably round four, I'm guessing, would be probably where I'd put him. And actually kind of an interesting, I believe Nick Herbig out of Wisconsin was visiting the Packers today. So that's a that's an interesting development. I, I believe yeah. it, was, it was today or yesterday. Uh, actually, no, it, was, it was yesterday. I think it was yesterday, and they had another one today. Uh, yeah, super buried the lead on that 15 minutes in the episode, but he did visit. So that's like, at least they're looking at that position. Maybe it's a little homer bias that they bring a guy in from Wisconsin, but overall, like, they're not completely away from getting that um, as a you know selection. But here, but here's the thing with Herbig. If you, if you watch him, they move him around a lot. When he was in that Jim Leonard defense, he wasn't just playing in the middle. He played plenty outside. I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but I mean, we have a guy that hit. He had he had 20 sacks in the last two years at Wisconsin. So, you know, he's a guy that can play all over the place. And if you kind of were looking for versatility out of a player, and obviously edge being a need of the Packers, that if you could get a guy that you can move around and kind of be that. Swiss army knife on your defense. 
I think that I I understand 100% why uh, the Packers are taking a look at this kid because, you know, he's a stud player. Once again, super productive, he's an explosive athlete. So I, I could definitely see, and, and he's also a guy that wouldn't be afraid to play special teams. So I think on, on all these kind of last guys that we talk about, they're going to have to play special teams. That's the bottom line. And they're going to have to contribute there and then kind of earn their way into some playing time or, or wait for an injury or what have you. But if you get a guy like Herbig, you can essentially have, a, you know, if any of your edge or middle players or inside players get injured, you can probably plug him into any of those positions. So um, he'd be a nice guy to have as a, uh, as a backup over there with the potentially to move into the starting lineup. And it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. The other guys you, you brought up like a, like a Dorian Williams, like, a, you know, he's okay. <laughs> he's and, and all these guys are kind of like that. They're, they're these guys that are just, you look at them, you're like, eh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're okay. Uh, they're decent. Um, they, you know, they, they might contribute. I mean, I think the guy that you haven't mentioned that, that I do like is this overshown guy from Texas. Uh, he's a guy that kind of flies underneath the radar, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. But but I but I like him a lot. He's a, he's a he's a big guy, and I I saw that explosiveness. And I, I'm not going to get sucked into uh, kind of when, when I evaluate this. And and bear with me for a second. Is that a couple of years ago um, we did a Michael Parsons as our as kind of featured guy. And one of my criticisms of Michael Parsons is I felt like he was so explosive that he wasn't necessarily good in coverage. And he mm-hmm. kind of, you know, was more of like a, he didn't, wasn't real good at reading plays and so on and so forth. And I use that as a criticism. Now looking back, I've kind of come to realize that if a guy has necessarily a weakness, but he has massive strengths to his game, it's the defensive coordinator's job is to accentuate those strengths and keep away from those weaknesses. So yeah, Michael Parsons might never be great in coverage. Um, he might never even be great at reading plays and read and react type of things that a typical inside linebacker would do. But if you tell him to find a spot and attack, he's going to attack it full speed ahead and full blown and, you know, with for, you know, ferocity, and that's kind of the same thing that I see in Overshone. And I feel like he can be a steal in maybe like the fourth, fifth round range as an explosive guy that you can just say, look, you got that gap, go get it and and take it from there. So that's kind of my opinion on him. I would not be surprised if he ends up being an impact player for a team right off the jump. Okay. And, you know, that's just kind of – my thoughts on him specifically is probably I wouldn't necessarily rank him fourth, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him make a big impact even as a rookie. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most, when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. So the one thing with Overshown that I saw was, A, I like the tape that I saw. I have really no qualms with him, to be honest. I think the the fact that he's so dynamic, former safety, he can play a you know that hybrid role, which is important. He played dime at some point, which is like, absolutely insane like i i just don't see how if you select this guy he's not going to end up on your field you know what i mean like i feel right. like he it, it's just such like a like there there has to be something that we're missing type thing because it's like well if you have a guy that's like really really sure in the middle and you can move him all these different spots just imagine when he just like can stick to one position once he find that you kind of mentioned you know micah parsons came into yeah. the league as an interior moves to the edge because he is so explosive and is so dynamic like Maybe that's where Overshawn, you know, gets into, and he's really got a good frame to him, 6'3", 230. Like, you yeah. can kind of line a guy like the, that up anywhere. So I like that pull. One thing I saw with him, too, I thought he was pretty consistent um, in the run game, like being able to tackle. I thought that was yeah. pretty solid. Um, there was times where maybe he got a little bit blown up inside that I was seeing. But overall, like, I was a guy that can play all those positions. I was pretty pleased, and, like, he's going to find himself on a special teams unit, like, right away whether right, it's right. you know getting out of the defense like you said impacting like but he's going to play special teams for any team he gets selected on right away um so someone's going to get a stud with him from a kid out of texas that's for sure yeah that yeah that's you know that that's kind of where i sit with him I, you know i agree with you 100 percent. you know i just saw him as an explosive tackler is a, a fierce tackler i've heard i've heard it referred to as and you know he just seems to be that guy that nobody's talking about but you know mark it down that you know if you get to like the rookie of the month or, you know, you get to, you know, towards the end of the year and you're coming up with the rookie of the, of the year at that position. I wouldn't be surprised to see him make like first team all rookie because he slots in there and he makes explosive plays. Um, You know, he's never going to be a, a read react guy. He's not, that's not his style. Um, He's probably struggles in coverage from what I've seen. Um, I know he used to play safety, but there's probably a reason why they moved him away from safety. It's probably because he can't guard very well. Right. So <laughs> I don't see him being that. But if you say, hey, look, you, you get that gap coming in on passing downs and just attacking the um, the quarterback, I see him as being a, a top guy there. A um, couple other guys that really stood out. Now, these are sure. a couple guys that I feel 
starting probably in like the mid rounds, I'm taking like fifth, sixth round that I liked a lot. And one is, um, I'm not even sure how to say his name, but Owen Popo, Popoe okay. out of Auburn. Yep. I saw him with a lot of speed, explosiveness. Um, he also has a lot of experience. I believe he's like a four-year starter um, for Auburn. And, and I feel like he, I mean, he ran a 4-3-9-40. So, I mean, he has that explosiveness. And he has some decent, uh, you know, he had over 90 tackles twice in college. Um, he got injured um, the third year. But he uh, his sophomore year and the senior year, he had over 90 tackles. Uh, quite a few tacks, quite, uh, sacks, quite a few tackles for loss. So he's one guy that really stands out. And I know I picked the probably a couple of the guys that have the hardest names to pronounce. But <laughs> but but Anfordy Orgy was the other guy that yep. that's that stood out for me as a guy that might be a little bit raw, but has that explosiveness to him. No, I think uh the couple that you've mentioned are guys that I you know was going through top ten lists and et cetera. They were cracking the top ten. I believe Popoe was like Maybe number ten. Um, it's straight straight off of his athletic score too. Like NFL.com's are like the second highest rated um you know athletic score from the combine. Like I think he's a dude that you you mentioned like fifth to sixth round, right? I think that's where right. the Packers, in my opinion, I feel like that might be a little late if they need a backer because I do think it would be nice to have someone. You know, depending what happens with Devondre Campbell with Quite Walker. Um, just off the top of my head, I feel like they don't have much left at the position. I want to look it up quick, but like you need those guys to play special teams right off the bat. Um, right. I'm just even looking here like Justin Holl, but it's like all these guys. I mean, Isaiah McDuffie, I guess, is the other one that I'm omitting yeah. and Eric Wilson. Yep. So it's like I, you know, McDuffie was drafted, what, in the seventh round? Like, yeah, not that dynamic. Could you go get a guy that any of the one that we've mentioned that are super athletic and replace him? Sure. Um, see if they can compete. So overall, I guess, I'm not sure if you have more guys to to get into. Um, so feel free to do that before you answer my question. Well, yeah. My question to you is, I guess, two-parted. One, where do you anticipate, if at all, the Packers would draft a linebacker? Could be that fifth or sixth round like you've been mentioning. Could be earlier. But are there a couple names that you're like, you? we've mentioned a ton, but are there any that you'd be like, you know what, circle him here, great value, pick him in the sixth round, seventh round, third round. I would love that guy to play um, for the Packers starting at some point, special teams. So if you got any other sleepers, hit us with it. But overall, where do you kind of see the Packers falling? And maybe you got a couple players in mind. Yeah, my, my, my two sleepers. And, and you know, I kind of wanted to cater this towards, you know, where I feel like the Packers may be targeting some of these guys. So like a Papoe and a, and a, and Ferdy Orgy, uh, even Nick Herbig are guys that I feel like fourth and fifth round is kind of that sweet spot. Um, I wouldn't, pick any of those guys before that but if you look at guys that could potentially um come in and like you said you know and, and i said and you know i think it's pretty obvious that you know beefing up our special teams is important and inside linebackers are uh, a key element to special teams so you know i'm looking at kind of those guys um and to me at least herbig is kind of the guy that makes the most sense because of his versatility but those other guys i mean the packers have a, a propensity for picking, you know, Oren Burke stands out as a guy who isn't really good at football, but he mm -hmm. runs and jumps fast. Yep. So they they had no problem taking him. Kamal Martin was another guy that, you know, I felt was, you know, a great athlete at the time. Um, he didn't really pan out so much because his instincts weren't where they were, um, where they should be. But there's also, if, I, if you want... If you want my bus pick, okay? Now, I, I like to do sleepers and I like to that. do bus, okay? And um, hopefully it doesn't... Uh, Hopefully he doesn't listen to this 
because his brother <laughs> i wouldn't want to mess with his brother now i wouldn't want to mess with him either but i yeah. especially wouldn't want to mess with his brother but noah sewell is a guy that i just feel has is so overrated as a player and he has that name recognition and mm -hmm. people know who he is and he was you know a five-star recruit and a, a big deal coming into oregon and man i didn't see it like you know when i was watching this tape from last year I mean, it, it was almost a joke. I mean, the guy played the guy played 12 games last year and had 56 tackles from the middle of the field. You know, he had a, a one and a half sacks. Uh, you know, it's just not to me a, a guy that I would I would be stumping for. It, it almost feels like he maybe read his press clippings a little bit too uh, too much coming out of high school and maybe his first couple of years in in college, but he regressed significantly. Um, he didn't run good. You know, his testing was terrible. It, it wasn't, he, you know, he, he seemed a little bloated uh, to be honest with you. Like I, I don't want to, you know, fat shame him or anything, but he seemed a little <laughs> bloated when I saw him, sure. you know, six one two forty seven, And it's just, you know, I just, you know, he's a guy that, like I said, name recognition is there for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at his, uh, his dossier right now and his, his brother plays in the nfl his uncle was a nose tackle in the nfl uh for 11 seasons his other uncle played 10 seasons in the nfl so the bloodlines are certainly there but i just don't know if the desire to be great is there out of him no it's a good one i honestly um i was when i heard the name when i was going through the list i was like well he's obviously got to be related to the you know the lineman from the lions and you're going through and you're like okay like and you've mentioned the couple, you know, family members you had. It's like, okay, clearly the pedigree is there. It's just a matter of if he can effectively, you know, translate to the league. I think that's a good candidate for a bust. Ultimately, too, not to put too much against him for where he came from, but it's like huge recruit coming out of college or, or yeah. excuse me, out of high school, goes to Oregon. Like Oregon, not typically known for interior, really, really good, you know, they're good athletes. They get drafted high on the defensive side, but I feel like they don't really translate that well to the league, just like the style of defense they play. Um, so I don't mind that one as a, a selection that could possibly bust. But um, yeah, there's one. Kinda... There's one other guy I, I want to bring up. So you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know his position, and that's kind of my issue with him right now. Um, but he was a super productive player and plays with a lot of, of violence and a lot of energy. Is that Ivan Pace out of Cincinnati? He's a guy sure. that. You know, he's, he, he seems to be a little small, but he really, he attacks the game with, um, with a huge, huge desire. I mean, he's, you know, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, some of his stats here and, you know, in his one year at Cincinnati, I mean, are you ready for this one? He had 137 tackles. He had 21 and a half tackles for loss and 10 sacks. It's unreal. Three forced fumbles. And, you know, so he's a guy that was all over the place. He had played at Miami of Ohio for three years and then transferred to Cincinnati last year. But, you know, I just, I, I don't know necessarily where he's going to play. Uh, I think that from a size standpoint, I mean, here's a guy that weighed in at 231 at the combine and then came in at 222 at his pro day. So it basically says to me that he had been bulking up before the combine where he did no athletic testing. Yep. And then he cut extreme to get down to 222 so he could show off some of his speed and he you know i don't i don't know like like i guess he can do that i'm not a big fan of that i mean i think that you should just play how you play because um, he he wasn't injured he just decided not to work out 
So he wanted to probably get that higher weight because he knows he's a little undersized. But, it, I mean, a 222-pound inside linebacker isn't really ideal. And he's only 5'10". So he's not big, but as far as a guy who's a playmaker, who has a ton of energy, that's going to really bring up the level of play of the other players, I feel like he would be a guy um, probably in like maybe round five that we could take a look at. I don't mind that one. I think he'd be a a solid run game guy. Um, Like you mentioned, super, super aggressive, you know, coming up to the line. I think he, those stats that you ripped off are, that's that's actually crazy for his first year in that Luke Fickle defense. I know we're getting a little long-winded here, but there's one player I still wanted to <laughs> okay. bring up that's in my top 10. All I right. know, I believe was a transfer at one point, if I'm not mistaken, from Nevada. Um, Diane Henley, Washington State. Okay, yeah. Dude, when he was at Nevada, the only reason I'm bringing it up now, because I, I love guys that are dynamic, right? Can do a ton of things. Yep. He lined up at not only edge, safety, Oh, he did some kick returning. And then he went on to go the other side of the ball at quarterback and wide receiver. I'm not sure what the tape showed you on either side of the ball for Henley when he was at Nevada. But overall, like, do you have any thoughts on him? Maybe you have no tape on him. Maybe you have zero notes on him, Rob. But kind of want to pick your brain because that was one guy that, like, when I see guys that transfer, I'm always interested in them a little bit. And then when I see a guy that's super, you know, played five different, six different positions technically when he was there, like, I'm – I'm fascinated to see what you have on him because he's an athletic freak. Matt, do you really think there'd be a guy that I wouldn't have to watch the tape on at this point no. in, the, in the season? No, I don't. Come on. No, I don't. I've known you long enough. <laughs> you know, um, I would say that amongst the inside linebacker players that we have, I'd say he'd probably be the best quarterback if uh, pressed <laughs> okay. into duty um, as, a, as an emergency. He might possibly be the best rapper as well. I know really? Yeah, I know that his dad used to work with Snoop Dogg. Okay, and, uh, okay. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a kind of a famous uh, hip hop guy. So I haven't heard any of his work yet, but um, it was <laughs> so. It, um, you know, that's I guess the off the field stuff about yes. about him, which is uh, kind of interesting. But um, the thing with him, and I like versatility too. But like, I think you can get to the point where you need to kind of settle into like what you're going to be. And I don't know if he did that. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was like a sixth year senior last year, and he's played a lot of football in his life. And um, he just, uh, to me, seems like a guy who is kind of okay at everything, but not great at anything. And, you know, you can call that versatility, but I I wish that he maybe found something that um, he can really, you know, latch on to and I, I know they only played one year at washington state and he did have a great year um overall i'm not a huge fan of him to be honest with you and, and like i just wish you know he just said look this is what i'm going to be i'm not going to be anything else he came in as a quarterback then he moved around and did all these other things he's a good athlete but other like outside of that i just feel like the linebacker he lacks kind of those instincts inside and he's more athlete than football player at this point. Yes. And he needs to kind of settle into what he's going to be and maybe develop over, you know, two to three years. No, that's that's a super reasonable take. Because, like, you go to a school like Nevada, right? Like, it's – you're if you're pretty damn good – like I mean, it's it is a it's a Division One football program. But, like, evident – like, it's just – you're going to be asked to do a ton of things if you're just that dynamic. And sometimes guys get slotted back as a kick returner because they're, like, the best athlete – being on a quarterback or receiver does seem a little bit more obscure, but ultimately, like if you were that good of a linebacker, you would have came to Nevada and been a linebacker to begin with. 
um, you know, even dependent on circumstance. So um, curious, yeah, I was curious on your thoughts. I mean, maybe he, like you mentioned, I think you hit it out of the park there. Like a, your notes are very deep having known that he is in the music industry <laughs> and associated with his father, which is great. Yeah. But, but number two, I think the big thing that I kind of circle and hope other people did was just like, he might not be a linebacker per se, and he might not have those instincts, but ultimately like he could contribute on a 53 man sure. roster at some point somewhere. It's just a matter of where he goes. And if you're willing to put that time in that project that he gets in that position group, wherever that may be either side of the ball. I mean, I'm seeing a mock in like the second round, and and okay. to be honest, I'm just not seeing it. Like, I, no, I, I don't, I, I don't see it. And you know, we're talking to a guy who, like, his first four years in college wasn't even a starter on on Nevada, and then in fifth year in, in college was his first year as a starter, and then he transferred, and then obviously he started and had a great year for Washington State. But you know, I'm looking at a guy that you know, once you get to your sixth year of college. And you're and you're still looking like you're not really um, that as instinctual as, as you should be. Um, I, I just I don't know. I, I'm out on him. I mean, if he does drop to say you know the fourth fifth round, yeah, of course grab him and you can kind of move him around. But I, I'm not feeling him right now. Okay, I got you pinned. You mentioned it a couple minutes ago. Where the Packers, you'd want them to select one kind of. It seemed like the fourth or fifth round, right? Yep, that's my that's my sweet spot. I like it. I think that's that's reasonable. Give me. I'm gonna hold you to one name. Give me one name. I'm going Popoe. Okay. If I if I could say one player that the pa- that will be on the Packers is Owen Popoe, and uh, I have no insider information on this. It's just kind of he slots in athletically to to what kind of the Packers are looking for, and he played in the SEC. He had some success there, and he he's a guy that I feel, um, you know, athletically fits in, and he could be a guy that uh, traditionally that the Packers would target in like round four and round five. I like it. I like it. I think the value, um, we'll see, you know, it always depends. I always think about this a lot too. And you look at draft classes uh, position wise, and then you even look at like, especially the linebacker spot, like these guys are going to have to be selected just because they're a special team. Or you look back, even on the, like the last couple of drafts I was going through, yeah. like in the Packers, like they've drafted a linebacker in every draft, even some interior ones up until like 2015. Like it's just going to be, they're constantly going to be drafting a linebacker. So it just depends like where teams are valuing them. Like, yes, maybe this guy isn't, you know, super high rated in our top 100. You know, you get past those rounds, you get in the third and fourth round. It's like, okay, well, we need some special teamers. We need some guys to fill out our training camp roster. It's just a matter of those guys could start getting selected higher. You mentioned Popoi, more athletic, you know, more dynamic than some other guys. Maybe he gets selected sooner, but I don't, I don't hate that name at all. So linebackers are plenty in this draft, you know, Maybe there's a consist a consensus. Number one, we'll see how you know the 32 GMs look at this going forward. I think Campbell's a good selection, very, very true, solid, dynamic, and just like you know, your stereotypical linebacker, Simpson might be up there, Drew Sanders, if you want to go, you know, with that project type guy where you don't really know to slot him, and then all the other gentlemen that we have mentioned. So that's the breakdown for the linebackers for 2023. Next week, we will be breaking down. You want to talk meat and potatoes, Rob? Interior offensive lineman. Bring your lunch pail. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a slobber knocker down in the trenches. Um, that's going to that's gonna get gross. That's going to get nasty because, like, the linebackers are a little bit easier to go through. But there's – I mean, you can – you're going to have names flying around that are just from, you know, whatever, Big 12, uh, Big 10, SEC. 
it's going to get it's going to get kind of violent and I'm excited to break that down cuz it's it's one of those positions that I know for myself I kind of overlook. I like to like once a guy gets into the league you're like okay, he's a really solid interior offensive lineman. I've definitely been more inclined to it maybe the last 6 or 7 years just based off of how the Packers have done it, right? They're getting guys that are dynamic and play guard, can play center, maybe pop out to the outside. So I've found a little bit more of a, a love for it at that point. But yeah. I'm I'm excited to break it down next week. It should be it should be a hell of an episode. I was thinking about knocking out my two front teeth to kind of uh, play a role of Cody Mock uh, okay. next week. So uh, sure. So if you see me, maybe we'll catch a video of me uh, with knocking out my two front teeth and uh, going from there with a big smile. I could do a Photoshop. I'd be definitely down for that. Um, but we appreciate <laughs> you guys listening to Pack a Day podcast. Obviously, if you have yet to subscribe, um, you probably will never do that. But please, wherever you're listening on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, please subscribe, rate, review. Let us know if we're doing a terrible job, a bad job, how great Rob is. You're thankful that Eli's not on the episode. Um, if you have yet to subscribe to the YouTube side, please do so. Andy is absolutely crushing it over there, not only with our um, daily 365 audio podcast. Like I mentioned, he is also putting out a video there 365 days of the year. He's got guests. He's got different topics. It's not the same episode that you're getting on the podcast side. So check it out there. If you have yet to follow us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, wherever else we're putting out content, please do so as well. Um, for myself, you can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Rob, let everyone know where they can get all your, you know, just all right, extensive knowledge when it comes to the draft. So, so here, so here's my here's my plugs of the day. So you can Please. find me on Twitter at at NFL Draft Regs R E G S, but also starting probably towards the end of uh, next week, I will be appearing on ninety seven three The Game as their okay. designated NFL Draft Analyst, uh, the Drew and KB show in the afternoons. Uh, this will be my seventh year doing that and being kind of the hired gun uh, for draft season for that show. And also, if you have not picked up the Cheesehead TV draft guide, uh, do so as well. Uh, I am a, a featured article uh, writer for that uh, publication as well as uh, quarterbacks. So those are my two articles there. A um, lot of extensive knowledge there. And I know there's a ton of draft guides. Pick them all up and support um, all the writers and all the people that do a lot of work on this stuff, including Matt, Eli, and there's way, way too many to name out there, but it's great, you know, to support it and get the knowledge that we all have um, and our love for the Packers. I forget you've been doing the Drew and KB show for that long. That's so awesome. Yeah, like, seven that's, years. That's yeah, super, that's super cool. That's super. My, cool. my first, my first time with them, I was uh, <laughs> spazzing after the Packers took Kevin King instead of TJ Watt, and that was, <laughs> that, that was, that was a, that's how I remember how many years I've been doing it because that was my first draft with them, and I was just going ballistic about how stupid the, they were for drafting Kevin King instead of TJ Watt. So, um, anyways, <laughs> no, that's a story for another day. No, your instincts are normally right. That would uh, that'd be a good example based off of that. Um, no, I'm excited to break down the offensive linemen. Good luck with the Drew and KB show. And then, like you said, check out the Cheesehead TV draft guide because I know a ton of people are putting out great content there. And check out Rob's work over there as well. Uh, for, for Rob Rieger, I am Matt Fralick. You guys take care. Be well. Enjoy the weekend. It's been beautiful where I am. I hope it is for you as well as we are just approaching less than two weeks for the NFL draft. And as always, go, go back, back home. home.